29 AD, there was one about to change the world. Fully man, fully God, Jesus. Next to him was a friend who witnessed everything. He saw early miracles. He sat at his right hand. His own eyes saw Jesus transfigured. The very heart of Christ was poured out to him, and he was there at the cross on the day history was altered. These are the words and the story of John. When I think back about five years ago, I promoted myself to CEO. I owned my own company and uh, I had a lot of employees at that time. We had three plants. And so I really felt like I needed to have a present underneath me that could run the daily operations. So I promoted myself. It sounded like a good idea at the time. I got to work from home and I got a little more freedom to do what I wanted to do. The downside is I had to work from home and I had more freedom to do what I wanted to do. Prior to COVID, no one would have known what that meant. After COVID, everybody's like, ooh, that stinks. And it did for me too, guys. I, that, was, that was two years before COVID hit. I was at home working as a CEO out of my house. I had lost my offices at my plants. I had three plants and they didn't even have a desk for me anymore. So when I got out of that role, they kicked me out. I was like, wow, I got fired from my own company. Um, but I gotta tell you, I wandered around lost for a year. And you think, oh, no, you're, you're the lead guy. You know exactly what you're doing. No, I didn't. I didn't know what to do. I, I just promoted myself. I had spent 28 years running that company the way I'd run that company. And now I promoted myself out of a role where I knew what I was doing to one I had no idea what to do. I didn't really read any books. I've been to all these training classes on what a CEO is supposed to do. But it's weird when you're in that role, all of a sudden you don't have a clue what to do. And I didn't. I just felt lost. I felt frustrated. I felt alone. I was sad. I felt like I had lost something deeply in my life. I just didn't know what was going on. And it was a really hard year for me. When was the last time you felt like you had no idea what you were doing with your life? When was the last time you had no idea what you were doing with your life? Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's an awful feeling, isn't it? In tonight's lesson, John helped us see Peter after Jesus was resurrected. And you would think Peter would be excited and ready to go. But I'm going to argue tonight that Peter had no idea what to do for Jesus at this point. He was ashamed of his past. He was feeling sadness from some serious loss he experienced. He was fearful about his financial security. And he was often jealous of John. And I honestly believe this is the place a lot of us find ourselves as Christians. We carry a lot of shame about our past. We have no idea how to serve Jesus. We have no idea how serving will provide enough money for our families. We have a depression and sadness from past losses that we've never worked through. And we struggle because we make unhealthy comparisons with other people who we think are really happy. The Gospel of John ends tonight in a really cool place. <laughs> Think about this. John should be, or Jesus should be firing Peter and replacing him with John. That was my assessment. If it were my company, that's what I would have done. But he doesn't. Instead, he meets Peter right where he is, and he builds him back up. And likewise, Jesus wants to do that with you. He wants you just like you are right now, broken, not sure, not feeling good, confused, lost, lonely, sad. He wants you right there. And he says, in that, I can do something with you. That's the person I need. So I'm praying tonight that you're gonna be energized, knowing Jesus will meet you daily to help you deal with that confusion, with those fears, with those losses, and with those unhealthy comparisons you're making. 
And I pray you'll feel a deep desire to serve Jesus because you truly believe that is how he will start to transform your life. Your service will be your transformation moment. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time with these dear friends. Thank you for all these weeks, a full year, Lord, of working through 21 chapters with you, Jesus. We heard your voice more than we ever will. This is a lot of you we got to hear, Jesus, and it's been good. So thank you for talking directly to us. Lord, I'm praying right now that whatever I do or say will not distract these guys, that their phones won't distract them, that they'll just sit still for 20 minutes and let you speak to them one last time. So Jesus, be now with us. Fill this place with your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. In John 21, through, 21, 1 through 6, Peter goes back to fishing. Jesus had told the disciples to meet him in Galilee after his resurrection, so they did. This was their hometown, and it was a place they knew well. They owned a fishing business there prior to meeting Jesus. This was, this was their home base. They still owned all the boats. They had all the gear. This is where they felt good. Peter and six other disciples went fishing late that night. So let me speculate on why Jesus or Peter went back to fishing. Because you ought to be asking yourself, we read in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus said you're going to be a fisher of men. And he spent three years teaching him how. Now Jesus is gone and he goes right back to fishing for fish. What happened? Here's three ideas. First, I think he lost hope that people would help him financially. Think about it. Peter and the men needed money just like we do. When Jesus was alive, he was attracting wealthy followers. When Jesus was dead, a lot of those people stopped giving. You guys see it in these churches all the time. The fancy preacher goes away and the money dries up. Fishing was a good source of income for Peter. So Peter may have been afraid that they were just going to rot out of money, and he went back to fishing so he could make some money. Let me ask you this. How do you, your financial needs impact your decision to serve Jesus? How do your financial needs impact your decisions to serve Jesus? I think another reason Peter went back to fishing is he didn't know what Jesus wanted him to do. He didn't tell him. Think about it. Jesus had not given any clear directives at this point. He just said, meet me in Galilee. And when he was alive, what did they do? They followed him everywhere and he told them what to do. When he was dead, there were no more orders. There was no leader. They had no idea what to do. So what do they do? And I think many of us struggle with knowing how to follow Jesus as well. I think it's a really tough thing for all of us. We just don't know how to follow. We don't know what to do. How long have you been stuck trying to figure out what Jesus expects you to do? And you can't hear him. You don't know. And the third thing I think happened here is Peter and his disciples were feeling a significant loss. And this is an important one in my mind. They lost their dream of leading a new kingdom. They thought Jesus was going to be a king and usher in a new kingdom, and they were going to be the leaders of this kingdom. And their king, Jesus, was gone. And they had spent three years with him, deeply, emotionally bonding, connected, friends, a team of 12, and this whole thing fell apart in a week. Gone. Just like that. You can't imagine the loss these guys are feeling. It's a deep, significant loss the love that they had for each other and for Jesus was gone just like that. Think about losses you've experienced. Loss makes you feel sad and discouraged and anxious. It does. When someone in your life has died, when you've lost a job, when your home that you grew up in is now no longer your home, when your wife walks out on you after 20 years, think about those losses and how 
deeply painful they were. That's what these guys were experiencing. I think Peter went back to fishing just to manage his loneliness and his sadness. Guys, I see a number of men right now, a lot of guys that I meet with that are suffering from losses that they don't understand the impact it's having on them. It shows up as depression, loneliness, and feeling disconnected. Most of us have no idea why we're feeling that way. We just feel that way and we can't put our finger on it. But what I can tell you is what I'm seeing is that a lot of guys have had significant losses like the one that I've described and have never spoken to anybody about it, never grieved it, and never worked through that loss at all, have never said goodbye to those things that they lost. That's a serious problem, and it causes us anxiety, loneliness, fear, and depression. And I could tell you guys, I have been struggling with my identity of not being a business owner I honestly didn't think I would. I thought I would step right out of being a CEO and a business owner of 32 years, right into the CEO of Heart of a Man, and my life would just keep on going. I'd feel great about me, but I don't. All these words I'm using describe me. This has my, been my year. I've been confused. I've felt alone. I've felt disconnected. I've felt sad. I've been depressed. I've been unsure. I'm not sure what to, what to do. That's been describing me. And until I met with some guys in my group here, and talked about it, I didn't realize I haven't talked about the loss I just had. You know, that identity for me was my whole life for 32 years, and now it's gone, and I feel it, and I really need to grieve. I need to say goodbye. What loss might be causing you to feel sad, discouraged, and lonely right now that you just haven't talked with anyone about? In John 21, 7 through 14, we saw John identify the fishing expert on the shore as Jesus, our Lord. And Peter hears John say that and immediately puts on some clothes. We can't picture Peter fishing naked, but it's kind of a weird thought. But here he is putting on some clothes and swimming 100 yards to the shore. And then Jesus gets, he gets there and he says, hey, could you get some fish and bring them? And Peter goes back into the water and pulls a net full of 153 fish, probably tilapia. They're about this big. I ate one when I was on the Sea of Galilee. Pulls this fish net by himself all the way to the shore. He's got to be exhausted. He's burned up a lot of fuel. He swam and he pulled a net. He's pumped up. He's charged. He's emotional. What does that tell you about Peter's desire to connect with Jesus. What's he doing? I'm speculating him, but I think he's trying to prove himself to Jesus. I think he's trying to say, look, I was the first one to the shore. I pulled the fish in the shore. Look at me, Jesus. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Because he's got a lot of shame on his mind right now. He knows what he did. He knows what happened. He, he wants Jesus to think he's committed. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know you're ashamed, man. I get it. Don't you feel that way too sometimes when you fail somebody that you love, when you make a mistake with somebody? Do you try to prove your loyalty instead of just apologizing so you work extra hard to make them feel good about you? I mean, think about it. When did you, when did you cook a meal for your wife because you said something rude? Or when did you wash your car because you did something stupid with her clothes or whatever in the laundry, right? Because you just don't want to say you're sorry, so you try to prove your worthy by doing something instead of just saying, I'm sorry. And I feel that's what's going on with Peter. He just needed to walk up and say, you know, I made a big mistake. I'm really sorry, but he didn't. He swam 100 yards. He pulled a fishing net. He wanted to look like he was worthy. Well, the fact is he wasn't. 
Who needs an apology from you tonight, honestly, that you've done something to and you're trying to look big instead of just saying, I'm sorry. Who needs an apology from you tonight? Jesus was waiting on the shore for Peter and the disciples and he had filled their nets and he kept those nets from breaking. You probably don't remember when they first got together, Jesus first called Peter his net tore, and they had to fill the two boats because the nets tore. This time, the nets don't tear. He's telling us that. He made a fire for him, so when they swam to shore, Peter was warm. And then he said, come, come to me. He called to them. He reached out to him. He didn't just let him figure it out. He called, come to me. And they came, and he fed them. Jesus took care of Peter's physical and monetary needs first before he started to have a very hard conversation with him. This is a cool thing for us to watch. Spiritual growth often cannot happen because our physical and emotion, emotional needs are overwhelming us. Man, I see this so much. People's physical and spiritual needs, our emotional needs are overwhelming, that their spiritual is just drifting off. When we see need pe- people who need to grow spiritually often have to meet those other needs first, you guys. You got to look for the other needs because if their spiritual needs are dropping, there's probably something else that's failing too. And that's pulling them away from God. It's one of those two. Jesus met the woman at the well the same way. What did he do first? He talked to her about her emotional needs. You've got five husbands and the one you're living with is not your husband either. So he addresses her emotional needs right away, right? There's a trivia question on the uh, trivia test coming up next week. That might be one of the answers, just a clue. Jesus meets the emotional needs. Serving others, guys, requires a lot of time and patience before we start addressing spiritual issues. This is the hard part for us. Most of us want to slap a Bible verse on somebody, tell them some good advice that you learned 20 years ago, and then move on. And that's not the way it works. I've spent thousands, literally thousands of hours with men since I've been here in Indianapolis for the last seven years, helping them work through broken relationships in their lives. And almost every single one of those has walked away from their spiritual life. Broken relationships often causes broken relationships with God. It takes about two years to heal emotional wounds before someone moves back into a spiritual position with God. Two years. Jesus shows us that we have to be patient and take time with people if we want them to heal. Who are you willing to take two years to help? Who are you willing to take two years to help? And two is usually the minimum, usually more than that. In John 21, 15 through 19, Jesus repurposed Peter. Jesus died days earlier to forgive everyone's sin, including Peter's. And while it may not be clear to Peter he's been forgiven, we all know for certain that he was. Jesus died on that cross to forgive his sins. That work was done. Jesus called him Simon when he saw him because he wasn't acting like Peter anymore. Simon was the man Jesus first called when he called him to follow him. And he's reminding Simon of that first encounter. Simon's net was empty and Jesus filled it so much it broke and needed boats to come around. Then Jesus gave him the name Peter. Why did he call him Peter? Because he saw in Peter, when Peter saw the nets full and the boats full, Peter got on his knees and said, you're Lord and King. And Jesus saw that in him and he said, now you will become Peter. You'll be the rock on which I'll build my church. And that it was his faith that he saw in him. He saw him. He called him Peter then. Yet, that Peter denied Jesus three times before he was crucified. So now, the resurrected Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. 
And before Jesus died, Peter said he would die for Jesus. Remember his boldness? I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, yeah, well, you had a chance to die and you ran. You denied me three times. So that's not true. Peter's love would have to show up in his actions, not his words. And Jesus was pushing on him to say, stop all the talking and start doing what you said you would do. I know a lot of Christians talk a good game, and I see it when it comes to this kind of work. A lot of good chatter, a lot of big commitments. And you know what happens? They fade away when the work gets hard. What promises have you made to serve only to break them when the work got hard or your playtime looked a little better than the work? Jesus then calls to Peter to give him a new assignment. Jesus reinstated Peter as a shepherd instead of an evangelist. Jesus called Peter to feed and care for his sheep. He originally said, you're going to be a fisherman. Now he said, you're going to be a shepherd and you're going to feed and care for my sheep. Jesus wanted his heart to be fully committed and restored at this moment. And he wanted the other disciples to see it and to hear it. This was the most incredibly compassionate thing he could do. Most leaders would fire the guy on the spot in front of the other people. You humiliated me. You abandoned me. You were disloyal to me. You need to leave. Jesus does the exact opposite. He reinstates him in front of these guys, loves him, and graciously promotes him to a higher calling. This is an, a remarkable reinstatement. Peter was assigned to shepherd the new flock. Jesus was making a clear reference here to Ezekiel 34. And in fact, if you ever want to go back and study John in a different perspective, read the whole prophecy of Ezekiel. The prophecy of Ezekiel is what underlays most of John. Ezekiel 34 describes the failure of the Jewish leaders as shepherds. It says they only take care of themselves. They took all the milk and wool and ate all the good sheep. They never strengthened the weak. They never healed the sick and they never bound up the hurting. They didn't take care of the stray or the lost ones. They never looked for them and they ruled harshly and they allowed them to be scattered and eaten by predators. This was the Jewish leadership that Ezekiel was describing. And G Jesus said, that's the shepherds that were called to lead this flock. And they're doing a terrible job because that's how they're performing. And then Jesus says, now listen to this. This is what a good shepherd looks like. And so we put that up here. This is what's going to show up. Jesus knew Ezekiel's prophecy over Israel, and so did Peter. They knew this prophecy. Ezekiel 34, 23 says this, I will set over them one shepherd, my shepherd David, my servant David, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. This is exactly what Jesus is telling Peter. This is who you're going to be. You're coming in line with David. You're coming in line with me. We're all from the line of David. We're shepherds, and now you're the shepherd. He's passing the role of shepherd to Peter. And in Ezekiel 34, it describes the role of a good shepherd. I call these Peter's seven. And these are places where you can find how to serve Christ. When you're not sure, Ezekiel 34 will tell you, you can snap this, we'll send it out to you, but this is a great place to start to say, how do I serve Jesus Christ? Be a shepherd, feed the sheep, care for the sheep. How? This is how. A good shepherd will find the lost sheep, which means he pursues unsaved men. A shepherd will rescue God's sheep from bad places, which means he rescues men from their bad lifestyles. And that's what we do here. Shepherds will bring them back to their own land. What land? 
we get to, when good shepherds help men come to know Jesus. That's the land, the place where Jesus is the good land. We teach guys the Bible. That's what good shepherds do. He will help them lie down in good pastures. What is that? We help them build healthy homes, place where they can live in harmony with good relationships. He will provide rich pastures from which to eat. We help men learn to stay fit and eat right. We help strengthen the weak ones, help men learn to manage their emotions. Our emotions are what make us weak. We help men manage their emotions. And lastly, he'll protect them from predators. Good shepherds help men identify real threats and protect themselves and others and other believers. These are the things that good shepherds do. So just ask yourself, as followers of Jesus, are any of these things that you do, any of these things, as followers of Jesus, this assignment has been passed on to all of us. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Jesus gave us numerous commands to his disciples. One of them is feeding and caring for his sheep. And that applies to us as well as Peter. And this is what good shepherds do. You gotta ask yourself right now, which one of these will you embrace and begin to execute so that you feed and care for God's people? Guys, at heart of a man, we're doing almost every one of these right now. And you think, wow, heart of a man's only a Bible study. No, we're not. That is not what we are. We are good shepherds trying to help feed God's sheep. And when you join our team, these are the kind of work that you do. In John 21, through 20, uh, 21, 20 through 25, we see Jesus shut down Peter's jealousy of John. Jesus made it very clear Peter, Peter would suffer a horrible death. Peter was most certainly bothered to hear that. He didn't like what he heard. He avoided this death three days earlier. Now Jesus assured him, you would die at the hands of your enemies. Why would he tell him that? Because he had blown that earlier. He's looking at him and saying, I told you this was gonna happen the last time and you denied me. Now I'm gonna tell you again, you walking out again? Is this your time to bail again? Because now I've asked you three times, do you love me? You said, yes, I told you to feed my sheep. You said you would. So now I'm gonna ask you the same question I asked you before. Are you going to die for me? Peter's got a difficult situation here. This is a very hard question to answer. And Peter didn't act with his common bravado. Instead, he looked at John and said, well, what about him? And Jesus told Peter that he should stop looking at John. Jesus said, follow me, not John. I can't imagine this was a kind moment. I really don't think Peter or John was super, or Jesus was super kind to Peter in this moment, do you? We could probably ticked him off a little bit. Jesus said, follow me, stop looking at John. Guys, our culture has created an insanely, insanely unhealthy world of comparisons. The media makes a lot of money on you hating yourself. Suicide rates for teens and especially girls have skyrocketed because of social media. Depression and anxiety for both boys and girls is unprecedented levels. And why? Because it's a, it drives comparison. Comparison, comparison, and Jesus right here, 2,000 years earlier saying, don't do that. People die when they compare themselves to other people, don't do that. Guys, Jesus is telling you right now, stop comparing your life to somebody else, stop. Who are the people whose lives make you wish yours was better? Who are the people whose lives make you wish yours was better? If you're thinking of somebody and you see someone tomorrow, you're making a big mistake. And Jesus is telling you right now, stop looking at John. 
Tomorrow when you start doing that, just hear this in your voice. Stop looking at John. Man, Jesus has a unique assignment for you, for you. And some of that require, work will require long hours. I understand. Some of it requires dealing with people you can't stand being around. I understand. Some of it requires you to give up your own time to relax and to enjoy life. I understand. This is where so many Christian men check out. We hear lots of bold singing in church, but see very little action outside the church walls. Almost most of us aren't getting exposed to Christians who we actually see sacrificing their time and comfort, and especially where we live. We're convinced that the American good life is what Jesus called the abundant life, and it's not. Jesus is looking at you and me right now, and he has one message. Follow me. Stop following these men around you who are living the good life. Be grateful for what I have given you, because what I have given you is exactly what you need that will bring you joy. How hard are you working to discover the assignment God has for you compared to the time you spend chasing fun and pleasure? Think about it. How hard are you working to discover your assignment that God has for you compared to the time you spend chasing fun and pleasure? You ought to check, track that just for a week sometime. I bet you'd be shocked how much time you spend on your own self compared to the job God's got for you. Well, let me wrap this up with this thought. I've been working with men, I've been working with men since 1989. You guys, I came to Christ in 1989. I started working with men immediately. And Jesus had given me six different assignments during that time. I've served men in my past company, and we served them at a high level. And in two churches, I've only belonged to two churches in the last 32 years. And in both of those, I've served men at a high level. I was in Promise Keepers for 10 years. I served at a high level. I was in BSF for 15 years. I served men at a high level. I spent 10 years working in Africa and working with men at a high level and now at Heart of a Man for three years. And I will continue to serve out this calling till I'm dead. And in this role at Heart of a Man, I feel all the same confusion, fears, and jealousies I felt in all those past assignments. It didn't go away. They come right with the role and they never go. Jesus still has to meet with me daily to help me figure out what to do. I feel just as lost as the first day I started. He has to provide money, time, physical and emotional stamina, and people to help me do my job. And sadly, almost every single week, I feel some jealousy of the guys I see that are my age relaxing and enjoying their retired lifestyle. And yes, Jesus gives me the same stern correction he gives Peter. Bill, stop looking at John. What I have for him is not what I have for you. I have a different role for you, Bill. Follow me, not those other men. Man, Jesus wants you to know you're incredibly valuable to him. You are so valuable. You have no idea how valuable. Jesus saved you to help him save his creation. He doesn't want you just watching him. He wants you following him. His message tonight is that he can work with you no matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be fixed to be valuable. In fact, you're more valuable broken. You just need to be willing to follow. How will you follow Jesus tomorrow? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.
for this calling on our life. Jesus, you said you wrote all this down. You gave it to John and said, John, write this so that they would believe. And not just to believe, but to follow. Lord, I pray these men, I pray I will, will follow tomorrow and stop looking at all the other people around me. Lord, I want to do what you've called me to do. Help me not count the cost. Help me not look in the rearview mirror. Lord, I want to follow. I do. I really do. I pray for my brothers, Lord. I pray for them that they will be emboldened tomorrow, just stronger and encouraged, and they'll come to you and ask for your help to help lead them, Lord. Bless us, Jesus. Bring us back next week so we may celebrate our time with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 